As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty! This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, for the first time in actually just about a month, right around a month, I looked at it the other day, Zach Hubbard is back with us here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And it is time to talk a little bit of Tar Heel recruiting because... Well, things may have not gone the way that they were planned to on the field on Saturday night. The Tar Heels did end up impressing a commit that they had on campus for their, uh, an official visit. And boy, it is uh, Carolina's 19th commitment of the class, and we are getting down uh, to the end of that class already, believe it or not. Carolina now uh, with only one target remaining uh, that is not a part of their class, but we've got a couple other guys that have taken visits elsewhere. Me and Zach are going to give you a confidence meter ranking of you know our, our, how confident we feel like Carolina fans should be that the Tar Heels end up keeping or adding to uh, their class coming up. We'll do that here in just a minute, but we got to talk about the guy that Carolina flipped on Sunday. That is the guy that I referenced was impressed, but I, on his official visit to campus this Saturday, and that is three-star cornerback Ty Adams out of the state of Georgia. He is a guy that was committed to ECU at the time, but Carolina jumped into his recruitment back in early August, and they got him on campus for the Florida A&M game. He pretty much immediately after that set this as an official visit, and Carolina able to get him back on campus for their second home game of the season, and uh, it ends up paying off. Carolina gets... Their third defensive or their third cornerback commit, I should say, of the class. 
and their uh, their fifth commitment from the state of Georgia. And uh, Zach, you know, first of all, buddy, glad to have you back here uh, with us on the podcast. And you know, ultimately, what well, what were your impressions of Ty Adams and, and how everything worked out in his flip to Carolina? Yeah, I think when you look at him first and foremost as a player, uh, one of the things that if, if you go and watch some of his highlights or his huddle film things along those lines, you'll see a lot of offensive snaps. You'll see him playing, you know, quarterback or sort of a, a wildcat role, you know, where he's doing a lot of running around. So there's not as much film on him specifically as a defensive back listed at 511 175 so you know could play outside corner could move inside to you know the nickel position depending on how much um you know weight he wants to add how his frame sort of fills out that way um so a little bit you know a little bit flexibility there out of Swainsboro High School in Swainsboro Georgia so you know, you know the state of Georgia, you know that there's going to be, you know, good competition, good players up and down the state um, in the various classifications of high school. Uh, but in terms of how this recruitment actually went, you know, it was one where North Carolina missed out on some prospects, not to take any way from, you know, Ty Adams specifically, but this is one that they went back and reevaluated. And, you know, a guy that they found after just doing some early senior evaluations and, you know, some summer evaluations, uh, not only on Ty Adams, but on, you know, a guy that we'll discuss later in, in, a, in a, a, a another ECU, now former for Ty Adams, current for Aiden Duncanson, a safety out of uh, Whitfield Academy in Atlanta, uh, but for Ty specifically, you know, he was a guy that they went back and reevaluated, really like his film. When you look at it, you do see the athleticism. You see, you know, what he can do with a ball in his hands, which is, you know, something that North Carolina has always valued in their defensive backs. That's, that's you know, part of the reason why they're they're called the Rude Boys. They're, they're out there making plays. They're out there, you know, going for the football, making plays on the football. So that's sort of, you know, even if you see a lot of offense, you see sort of those, the building blocks, sort of that clay that can be molded into a defensive back. Um, but for Ty specifically, you know, he got that offer um, at the Power 5 level. It seemed to be something that was, you know, an immediate interest. And, you know, after his visit for the Notre Dame game, regardless of the result, it, it's one that he felt ready to go ahead and make official and, and you know, flip his commitment over to the Tar Heels. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. He was a guy that Carolina, you know, was maybe eyeing at, you know, for, throughout the process. But I think once you saw some guys go elsewhere, I think really the final domino was when Shelton Lewis, a guy that Carolina, I think, felt like they were in really good standing for for a while after his decommitment from Pittsburgh. Uh, and then Clemson jumped in, and Clemson ends up getting his commitment uh, another guy from the state of Georgia. I think Carolina kind of had to reevaluate. You know, they had two guys that are c- committed in the class and are guys that I think are going to be looked at as maybe if you're looking for someone to play earlier, guys that can compete for roles starting next season or at least within the next two seasons. Uh, and in Trey Miller and Caleb Cost, this was a guy that I think they looked at 
And they said, you know, there's upside here. We still have a spot open in the class, and we want to have some depth at the cornerback position. And they went out and made this addition. And you're right. The thing, when you turn on his film, it's going to be a lot of offensive highlights because this is a guy that played quarterback uh, or has played quarterback, still plays it this year, but has played quarterback for the last three years and even did so some his freshman year. So it's a guy that's been on varsity for four years, which kind of tells you what kind of athlete he is and everything like that. But at the same time, the thing that – I'm not going to say it concerns me, but the thing that is notable is that the position that he plays on the other side of the ball from the position that he's being recruited at is quarterback, which is a spot that has so much more involved to it when you're in practice. Um, he probably is a guy, I mean, there, there's no doubt they have to get him some reps during practice at corner for him to be able to play on Friday nights. But most of the focus is probably on him at quarterback because of everything that is involved with being a quarterback. Um, so I, I think that's definitely something that's noteworthy. Um, it probably means that, and even if you watch on, on film, he's a guy that is going to be a little bit of a project. It's going to take some time, but there's a lot of upside to him. Um, the first thing that jumped off immediately to me, and you can see it in both his defensive highlights, you can see it in his offensive highlights, is the speed. Um, and I think that it really shows up on the defensive side of the football when you see him close on the football. And that's one of the things that Carolina really needs. If you've watched this secondary so far this season, one of the things that they really really struggle with, especially when they're in zone coverage, which Gene Chizik and his system is a lot more zone heavy than the previous system that Carolina had in place. That's one of the biggest changes that we've seen from Gene Chizik uh, or, or from Jay Bateman to Gene Chizik is that you've seen a lot more zone defense as opposed to uh, the single man coverage that we saw from Jay Bateman's defenses. You haven't seen the guys that can close on the football all that well. Maybe this is a guy that fits that just a little bit better. Um, and and you'll have we'll have to wait and see whether that translates. The other thing I really like about him is there's versatility. If you turn on his junior film, you're gonna see a guy that plays mostly outside corner when he's on the defensive side of the football. But when you turn on the film for the first half of this season, you see a guy that has played some nickel. He's played some safety. And I think he's looked pretty good at those spots, too. I really like the snaps that he took at safety. I thought he came downhill very well, which is something that Carolina wants to do more of. And I, I think he sort of fits what Carolina could want at all of those positions. So that position versatility, I think, will help him as well. Um, for me, I think he's probably a guy that, you know, he's going to have to be a special teams contributor, no doubt about it, when he first arrived. But I think that this gives Carolina, you know, another guy that they can potentially develop. And Carolina has been known to find these diamonds in the rough. Here's the thing, especially with Gene Chizik. You go back to his time here the first time around, and there were guys that, you know, coming into their careers at Carolina, nobody would have expected these guys to be major contributors uh, defensively, especially when you look at, Guys like Jeff Schottmer, uh, Cole Holcomb, 
walk-ons that became huge parts of what Carolina does. So I think this could be one of those guys that they saw certain athletic traits in, and they really feel like they can sort of build upon it. And, and, and you have to imagine, I know Dre Bly was the guy that he talked about in his post, but you would have to imagine because of where, it's locate, where he's located in Georgia and because he's a defensive back, Charlton Warren was probably another guy that was involved in the evaluation process of this young man and probably saw stuff that he liked as well. So I think this is this is a good addition for Carolina. Zach, in terms of what it does for the cornerback group, you know, it gives Carolina three corners, and I think, you know, ultimately it kind of gives them what they need. Do you kind of agree with me that they look at probably Trey Miller and Caleb Cost as those guys that could be contributors early if they need to, and you've got a guy uh, at, at the back end now that can sort of be that depth piece in Ty Adams that can grow, or, or how do you see it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that these are all guys that they look at uh, pretty similar right now, Ty Adams being the, the, you know, the most recent one. Um, and the one that is consequently the lowest rank at this point, depending on how much that matters. And, and we know that, you know, it, it's everyone starts out basically the same when they get on campus. But uh, defensive back, specifically cornerback, is a position that they wanted to add bodies at. It's a position over, you know, the past few years where they've had injuries and they've had issues there. And it, you know, it is a first and foremost a. More and more so, I would say it's a it's a passing league. It's a league where you have to almost defend the, the pass first and foremost before you defend the run. You know, throughout most of football history, uh, college football history specifically, it's been the opposite. Mainly, you you know you sort of try to stop the run and then you know let the pass flow from there. It's becoming more and more that you're having to defend the pass and it's it's as we've discussed previously it's more you know five and six defensive back sets it's more of situations like i mentioned previously where you have guys get injured you know it's one of those skill positions where you know it's not these big guys that are you know it's sort of in a box you know in the tackle boxes guys that are moving all over the place and that opens you up for for injuries there so i I think it is a position in which they are trying to build depth there um it's a position i think similar to wide receiver that they want to have a lot of bodies there. They want to keep them fresh. They want to rotate as need be. So while there's not one guy over the other that I see as an instant impact guy, as we've discussed previously, this is a position where they wanted to add bodies, and they've done a good job of that in these three guys thus far. Yeah, and it go one of the big things that it goes back to, I think, as well, is that you know this group has had injury issues over the years. It hasn't cropped up too much early on. I mean, we had the scare early in the year when you had Tony Grimes go out in the first game of the season, uh, along with Legend Cavazos, who was already hurt and missed that first game. But really, since then, Carolina has been able to sort of settle things down, and, and they've got some guys that uh, I think are. You know, relatively healthy. I mean, this is probably the healthiest Carolina's been in the defensive backfield in a while. But at the same time, you still have Jacorius Conley that's out hurt. Um, and it just shows that that's a position where Carolina has not had the greatest injury luck. So the more bodies that you can bring in, the better. And I also think that it's a position that we've seen so far this year 
is struggling at times. So, yeah, the more guys that you can get in there, the more competition that you can get in the room to try to get guys to step their game up, I think the better. And and that's what I think ultimately this class was about for Carolina at the cornerback position. And no doubt, as I mentioned, Carolina's really only got one other guy that they are looking at uh, in the 2023 class that is not currently committed to them. Now, look, there could be other guys that pop up later. I don't think it's going to be that Carolina is going to get to 20 and that's going to be the max that they can take in this class. I think if they wanted other guys, they probably could take them. And there could be still some guys that they're looking at trying to potentially flip. But it seems like their focus is is pretty much on trying to complete the flip of another ECU commit and holding on to the guys that they currently have in the class. So it looks like this is going to be a three-corner class for Carolina. Um, And I, I think that was ultimately their goal all along. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, me and Zach, we're going to tell you a little bit about that player that Carolina is trying to flip from East Carolina. We're also going to tell you about two guys that are on the that are currently a part of the class that we are watching as they take visits to other schools. Can Carolina hold on to those? We give you a confidence meter of how, in terms of what we think uh, when it comes to those guys and them being a part of Carolina's class when it's all said and done. Stick around for that right here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Hey guys, Anthony here for Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Guys, you want to check these earbuds out. I told you guys multiple times so far this year on the podcast that some of these Toriel games and a lot of other games throughout the country on Saturdays and even sometimes on Sundays, I have to use my Raycon wireless earbuds to be able to listen to and keep tabs on these games with the job that I'm working. And there are plenty of jobs like that. I know that you guys you know, may be out or even if you're just in the gym and you want to be able to sort of multitask, you need the right earbuds to be able to do that. And the Raycon earbuds are the perfect ones for you guys. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound even better than ever. And with optimized gel tips for the perfect fit, you never have to worry about these earbuds falling out or being uncomfortable. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life, so you don't have to worry about these dying anywhere whenever you take them with you. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Make sure that you check these out because look, they've got some unbelievable functions as well that make them easy and convenient to use. You've got the earbud tap functions, which allow you to sort of fast forward through stuff and everything like that. Um, if you're listening to music or if you are listening to podcasts to get to the next episode. And they also have three customizable sound Profile. So that means that if you like to listen to your podcast on one level, but you like to listen to your music, and maybe you like to listen to games on a different level, you can set all three of those so that when you go into a certain mode, it will automatically have those volume levels ready for you. Go to buyraycon.com today and use the promo code TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. 
The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Step It Up Same Game Parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Zach Hubbard with you. Well, it's time to do a little bit of confidence meter uh, here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And we're going to kind of give you a rating of 1 to 10, how confident we are that Carolina is able to come away with a commitment, come away really with a letter of intent when it is all said and done for three key guys right now that we are keeping an eye on in the 2023 class. Well, Zach, let's start with the guy that we were just talking about a little bit there before the break. The only guy that Carolina right now is looking at that is not currently committed to their class. He is actually committed to East Carolina as of right now. But much like Ty Adams, Carolina is doing everything that they can to complete the flip of three-star safety Aiden Duncanson out of Mableton, Georgia. Uh, it is, you know, th- this is another guy that Carolina got on late back in August. Uh, they actually offered him the same day that they offered Ty Adams. Um, and it seems like this is another position where Carolina really wants to add somebody. And this one, I think this one makes a lot more sense because Carolina missed on a lot of different guys here at the safety position. Of course, Caleb Downs is is probably the most well-known guy, but that was one that I don't think Carolina was really expecting. They felt good at a time for uh, four-star uh, safety out of Loganville, Georgia at Grayson High School and Michael Daughtry, but that one didn't go their way either as he went to LSU. And then remember that they did have a commitment at one time from Zachary Tobe out of the state of Florida, but that was you know a guy that was still looking elsewhere. I don't know if Carolina knew that. It didn't really seem like they did ultimately, and he backed out of his commitment and flipped to 
Illinois back during the summer. So Carolina tried to add a safety to this class. And uh, Duncanson, a guy that comes from the same high school, Whitefield Academy, as a guy that is currently committed to the class for Carolina and Caleb Lavalli, the uh, middle linebacker commits. So uh, Zach, if you had to say on a scale from one to 10, how confident you are that Carolina ends up with his commitment at the end of the day, what would you say? I think as of right now, I would say that it is still early on uh, in his recruitment. I think he is going to sort of, he is obviously still committed to ECU, but I think I would view him as a, a an open candidate at this time. He's looking to get additional offers. He's obviously very receptive to the North Carolina offer, so I would view him at best as a soft commitment to ECU at this time. In terms of does he end up signing with North Carolina, I would probably put that at a seven right now just because they are going to have the early advantage on uh, whatever Power 5 offers he ends up getting. Um, if, it's, if it's schools at the same level as North Carolina right now, they're going to have that advantage. They're going to be able to get them on campus more than half thus far, which I think will work in their favor if he does end up uh, backing off of his ECU commitments, which I do think he does at some point. Now, if there is you know a number of schools that get in the mix, if there's you know one that's equal in terms of overall footing of football programs in sort of a, a natural uh, national brand recognition or you know the status of that program that's obviously going to make things a little bit interesting and I would expect him to make other visits if when those offers come in you know if it's a if it's a high end football program if it's a if it's a UGA if it's a Clemson that gets in there well that makes it difficult um, as we've seen in those recruitments not that North Carolina has not won quite a number of those recruitments but that we know you know those programs that have that sort of national championship pedigree it's hard for anyone in the country to go up against them so as of right now I would say a seven I do feel like um, personally that I think he will end up choosing North Carolina, but do sort of have to hedge those bets a little bit with him being, um, you know, public about his desire to get other options and see other opportunities. That's sort of where I have to put it right now. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm probably in that same neighborhood with you. I would probably go with a seven as well, but maybe it's probably bordering on a six at this point, um, mainly because I think that there is an interesting domino that kind of just fell here in you know the last. Actually, within the last day or so, I think it became official yesterday. But uh, they were, you know, reporting on Sunday that Jeff Collins was already being fired uh, at Georgia Tech. That became official yesterday, along with his athletic director. And I think that is going to be an interesting element here because it's being a guy from Georgia. Um, and look, you know, Georgia Tech they they haven't recruited great. Um, they you know they've still they, they've gotten some some decent guys from there. Um, and I think especially on the defensive side of the ball, you can never count them out because that wasn't the area where they were trying to switch schemes. But I think depending on you know who they can potentially 
get in there you know, during this time? If it's somebody that is currently away from college football, I know I've seen some names on the list, Dan Mullen being one of them, as a guy that is currently not coaching. That could be someone that if they can sort of get something set in stone, maybe that is a place that all of a sudden you start seeing some of these guys from the state of Georgia having to look at more seriously. Or, you know, I've seen rumors of a lot of people kind of putting Deion Sanders very high towards the top there. I would not doubt that if he does end up uh, becoming their head coach, which I, I still see as a pretty pretty a pretty big long shot at this point um you never really know that could be something that makes Duncanson reevaluate and you know that could make them reevaluate as well and potentially reach out with an offer so that's the one that I think right now I'm keeping an eye on uh and but there are you know still other schools as you mentioned that could potentially jump in there I think it also depends you know what, what kind of senior year does he have um is he a guy that's willing to wait it out and sort of you know let his play potentially earn him some other big offers he already got the offer from North Carolina is there potentially other schools that are right there on the cusp of offering him that you know he potentially tries to wait out and then the other element is you can't count out East Carolina either that's a school that look they've already lost one of their commits to Carolina they're not going to want to lose another commit to the Tar Heels so you would imagine that they are going to try to make a push here as well, especially for a player in Duncanson uh, that is a little bit more coveted. He's, he's a, high, a more highly rated player in this class. So I think Carolina's in for a little bit of a battle, but I think you're right. I think Carolina, uh, I put him at a seven right now because I think he really was you know, pretty impressed with what he saw when he was on campus back on August 27th. The big key for Carolina is can they get him on campus? Really, if even if it's an unofficial visit, it would be huge. But if they could get him on campus for that official visit, just like Ty Adams recently took, that would be huge for Carolina's chances to land him in the end. All right, Zach, let's move to the guys that are currently committed. And we'll start with the big name. We'll start with the guy that I think most people are probably the most concerned about, and that's four-star linebacker Kavion Keys. Uh, he, of course, committed to Carolina, um, you know, a little, you know, around a month ago now, just a, actually about two days, coming up on two days away from being uh, exactly a month since he committed. And look, at the time of his commitment, I think most people knew, you know, with everything that had happened, uh, you know, the week of his commitment. Remember, he was originally supposed to commit on Saturday. He was actually supposed to commit right before Carolina's season opener against Florida A&M. He ended up delaying that uh, decision. He pushed it back to the Monday uh, of that next week and did then end up pulling the trigger and committing to Carolina. But a lot of people, you know, during that time, still worried about the two offers that he had. There were rumors, and I think it, as of right now, most people still believe that he will take a visit to Texas A&M. And then I think things maybe, you know, started to uh, peak a little bit more uh, when they, we found out that he was on the visitors list for the game uh, Auburn held against Penn State last weekend. So Nick Carolina now having to worry not just about one team from the SEC West, but a second team from the SEC West that has entered the race. Zach, what's your confidence level that the Tar Heels ended up, end up holding on to this commitment from KV on Keys? 
I think as of right now, I'd probably put that as a six. Um, obviously, he is still open. He is potentially looking to take some of these visits, uh, but a lot of them have not happened, and those you know potential visits, the teams that he's looking at, have not had you know spectacular performances um, as compared to sort of what he's got with UNC thus far. UNC is, I would say, the proximity choice at this point, which I do yeah. think is a factor that matters in this recruitment. Uh, being close to home is going to matter. So it's sort of on those out-of-state schools, even the out-of-conference schools, I would say, to sort of you know plead their case as far as going away from home. That's something that if and when he visits Texas A&M, um, it, it was unclear if he you know, made the visit versus um, App State. If he didn't, that might be better for him. But um, that is something if he does end up making a, a visit or a second visit to uh, Texas A&M College Station, that's something that they're going to have to answer for. That's something that you know Auburn is going to have to sell on their end or did have to sell on their end. And you know, their season is not exactly going great. They've got a coach on the hot seat. So... In terms of this point, you always have to watch out, um, you know, when you're recruiting against some of these uh, top half schools in the SEC, specifically Texas A&M, with the success that they've had in selling NIL to recruits. Um, But I think just the proximity, the fact that they already have this commitment and just... Uh, really, you know, combination of these factors, I, I think personally it works out in North Carolina's favor in the long run. I think they end up keeping him and getting that national letter of intent. Yeah, yeah. Th- this one, this one is definitely a tougher one for me because, I, you know, for for him, I. I the rumor that I had seen was that October would be when he would take that trip to College Station. And we'll see if that happens. I do think it is telling that he was willing to travel down uh, to Auburn for that game. And I think the other thing, I've seen some people that were talking about this, some some Toriel fans that are locked in uh, on everything that's going on with recruiting and follow it really closely. They were concerned about the fact that the visit for the Auburn game uh, was when they were playing against Penn State, who was the other team, that the team that really for the majority of the summer before Carolina made their push, uh, right before he ended up making his commitment, looked like they were in the lead uh, for his services. So I think there are a lot of different factors playing here. I know there's also some people that are you know over at Virginia Tech that – think that he could still be in play there as well. Um, this one for me, I, I've, I've got it at a five because I think that you still you, you're still kind of I'm not going to say wait and see. Carolina's got to be aggressive. They've got to try to get him on campus. But that's the thing. As far as I know, he has not been on campus for either of Carolina's first two games of the season. And I, I think it's going to be something that is, is going to be very important for uh, Carolina to be able to do uh, if they you know want to continue if they really want to strengthen their stance with him. Now one thing that is interesting is Don Callahan of Inside Carolina wrote an article uh, a little over a week ago now uh, where he talked to Kavion Keys and the headline of that article said that Keys can't really see any other school committing or competing, I should say, rather, with Carolinas. So that's certainly interesting. But at the same time, you do know that everything that you hear, especially when they talk to some of these specific site guys, 
it, it, you, they they are usually going to want to tell these guys what they want to hear. We've seen it before. We've seen it with guys to, you know that eventually committed to Carolina talking to other websites. So I, I think it, it's notable. I think it, it, hopefully that is true, and I, I would not doubt that that could be where his mindset is at right now. Um, but at the same time, I think you're going to see some of these other schools really step it up for a, a guy that is a four-star prospect, a guy that uh, really fits sort of the modern linebacker mold, and a guy that I think, you know, if, if they're really, you know, especially Texas A&M, with some of the NIL deals that Texas A&M has already got in place and some of the, uh, the, the different initiatives that they have, I think they are definitely noteworthy uh, and a team to keep an eye on if they do end up getting him on campus. So I'm going to say a five, but I still think that right now, Carolina fans, you shouldn't be too panicked just yet. All right, let's go over to Joshua Horton. Now this one, Zach, this one kind of caught me off guard a little bit that he took this visit to Auburn for that game. The thing that I think should probably have people a little relieved is the fact that this seemed to be a trip uh, that he took with his high school. Um, It seems like this was something over there at at Langston Hughes High School where uh, he is in the midst of his senior season. They were taking out some of their bigger named players uh, to that game. And look, it makes sense. That's, uh, in all honesty, you know, that area of the country there just outside of Atlanta, uh, that's an area that Auburn does very well in. They are known to have plenty of success there. So usually, you know, you're going to try to get them out there to Auburn, to Georgia, uh, to Georgia Tech, those types of spots. So it didn't shock me that the school was wanting to do something like that. But it is interesting that he did end up going along, especially with the fact that that was the school that for the longest time people thought he would be committing to until Carolina made a late push right before they landed his commitment. So, Zach, in terms of the confidence level with Joshua Horton, where are you at right now? Um, I, I hate to just go the same you know, middle-of-the-road route, but I am going to have to go about a 7 on this, I, I, he did sort of clarify prior to taking this trip. This is more so about you know going with my high school, going to see. It was, I mean, it's a it's a big game. It's it's a you know a national program in Auburn and a national program in Penn State. So you know it, it's it's understandable that people would go want to go to that game, uh, whether they have interest in the school or not. And I think that you know that's something that we see now, and I, it's something that we're going to see. You know, more so a lot of these times is, you know, if, you, if you've got a ride, if you don't have to provide for it yourself, there's a lot of these where, you know, these high school groups will get together and go. And I think that's probably going to be more and more common as the years go by where kids just take visits to, you know, to take in games. And it's not this, it's more of a, a spectator trip than it is a recruiting trip. Obviously, you do have to have somewhat of concern when, you know, a prospect visits a team that, uh, you know, finished highly in their recruitment the first time. But, you know, as as mentioned previously, um, Auburn is not off to a good start so far this season. Um, you know, they've had some perilous games. Regardless of what their record is, they're not projected to be very high this season in the SEC. And their coach is on the hot seat. Obviously, it's not one of our you know, confident selections. If I had to make a selection on Brian Harson's job status, I would say not very good. And I feel 
pretty strongly that he's not going to be the coach there in 2023. So that's that's going to be hard for any team that's trying to not only get a, a kid's commitment, but to you know get a flip of a commitment there. So I obviously he did visit a team that finished highly in his recruitment. So you know we can't put him at, at a nine or a ten, but. It's a team that's going to have difficulty recruiting anyone, and you know it's it's something that he sort of cleared up beforehand. So I don't feel that it is a too much of a concern. Well, you said that we couldn't put him at a nine or a ten. I have him at a nine. I, I think that ultimately, look, when I first saw this, I no no doubt I I have to admit when I first saw that his name was on the list for the article that was put out by the guy that covers Auburn for 24-7 sports Christian uh, Clemente I I did you know sort of take a second and said hmm that is rather notable Um, you know again when once you found out that it was about you know him going with his high school I think that definitely helps um, you know, at the same time, look, it is a guy going on campus to a place that he has been before. Um, you know, it, it, the fact that they were a team that was in such good standing for him for a while probably means that he did have, you know, not only a connection to some of the people that are on campus currently, some of the coaching staff, but probably had a, a connection to the campus itself, probably, you know, took multiple visits there and really sort of soaked up the environment. So you always kind of worry about that. But I think ultimately what you said really is what has me at a nine right now. And that's that Brian Harson is, I mean, he's got it with, with Scott Frost out and, and Jeff Collins out. I mean, he's probably the power five coach that's on the hottest seat right now. Um, he is a guy that, you know, most people were kind of shocked even made it into this season. There were boosters around the program that people thought, uh, you know, were, were going to force him out at one point during the offseason. You had uh, just one of the weirdest things that, that I've seen in a long time where basically uh, there were people within the athletic department accusing him of having some sort of affair or um, I, I don't remember the exact uh, issue that was brought up but it, it, it was just a, a compo- just a, an odd vibe there. It seems like they are pretty much rooting for him at this point to lose the job. And so far this season, it's not really going in a positive direction for him. It's going about how we thought it would go for him. So I think with all of that, you're right. Landing commits is going to be tough enough. We remember that from back in 2018 when Larry Fedora was, you know, guy that was on the hot seat. But that even if you do land him, and, and, and this is the thing, even if he, he was to flip to Auburn, if Brian Horson gets fired, he could be right back on the market again. So I, I don't, and ultimately, I don't think he is going to flip. I think that, that you know, I, for what it is, I, I kind of take his word on this when you go and visit with your school because we've seen guys like that before. So I think that right now, you shouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, if, you know, he pops up again at an Auburn game, maybe then you start to get a little more concerned. Um, but I, I think, you know, especially if he does end up coming back to Carolina for visits during the season, that will definitely ease any concern that anybody has about this uh, recruitment. And I, I have him pretty high right now on that confidence meter. So that is your look at some guys that uh, Carolina is still doing work on on the 2023 recruiting trail. 
Um, and uh, as we get ready to get out of here, we're just going to give you a couple of notes on the way out. Uh, there is another note from a guy in the 2023 class for Carolina, a guy that is committed tomorrow. I believe it is probably going to be at his high school or at his home uh, in Harrisburg, North Carolina. Four-star wide receiver commit Christian Hamilton is going to get his official Army All-American jersey in a presentation. That's a really cool moment for him, a guy that has worked extremely hard, has been uh, one of the better players in the state of North Carolina since his freshman season under uh, former Tar Heel and uh, one of the better coaches right now in the state of North Carolina at the 4A level, Jupiter Wilson. Uh, so a really cool moment for him. Uh, that should be, hopefully they post that video online. And if they do, I will make sure to retweet that on my Twitter feed so you guys can see that. But a really great moment for him as uh, he, him and probably a few other guys that are committed to this class. This class not as star-studded as the last two. But you would expect that you'll see probably another guy or two that will be heading uh, to either the Under Armour or Army All-American games. Also wanted to tell you, this is a note really uh, about team news uh, from uh, the day of recording. Carolina has added a kicker to uh, their, uh, ki their place-kicking group uh, after losing Jonathan Kim yesterday to the transfer portal. Uh, they announced uh, via social media, actually it was announced by the player himself earlier today that the Tar Heels uh, will be bringing in walk -on, uh, a walk-on kicker um, that I, you know, that I think they really needed in Nicky uh, Sedano, a uh, guy that was at one time committed to Cornell, uh, but decided to try to uh, take a chance on himself, walk on at Carolina, and now he has uh, a job with this team. You know, the hope is, of course, that Carolina will not have to use him at any point this year. Um, you would imagine, at least from the kicker's uh, standpoint, um, you would imagine that they are trying to, you know, hold on to hope that Noah Burnett is the solution there. And so far, he hasn't shown anything to prove otherwise. But they needed some depth there, especially with the fact that they lost Tegan Linderink, uh, another walk-on uh, from a year ago. He departed in the offseason and transferred to Liberty. So Carolina was down to just two kickers on the roster. They needed a little bit of extra depth, and they added that on Tuesday. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Guys, make sure you head over to the website, check out all our coverage that we have from the Notre Dame game. Uh, we have the recap up there. We have, of course, the stock report, Ashton's analysis of the game, and we also have Josh Marlowe's trench report. And then we will be circling around and getting you guys ready for the game this weekend against Virginia Tech. It is going to be uh, an unpredictable one. Um, this is a huge game for Carolina. There's no doubt about it, especially uh, you know coming off of the game against Notre Dame and, and the direction of the program that I think a lot of people are confused about. But there is a chance that this game is going to have to be played in another hurricane. Yes, you heard me right. Carolina is playing a game in Keenan Stadium against Virginia Tech in a hurricane and no it is not 2016 so we will have you guys covered on all of that leading up if there are any updates if the game is moved whatever you can find everything that you need to know about that game 
on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Also, make sure that you guys are checking out the uh, basketball articles that are rolling out. We are going to be doing player profiles for uh, the roster this upcoming season. Ashton is going to write the majority of those, so make sure you guys are keeping an eye out. Armando Baycott is already up there, the leader of this squad, the man uh, that is going to, without a doubt, be a preseason All-American and one of the favorites to take home the Naismith Award at the end of the year so make sure you guys check that out over there on the website so that wraps up for this edition of the podcast want to thank zach for hosting with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tour heels Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.